By the way, history, if we are paralleling a point in history where things seem to be things <laughs> seem to be very parallel to what we're seeing today, events of about 100 years ago, we are probably in the early stages still of a, what's called a secular bull market that will last through the 2020s. That is not a promise or a guarantee. It's just a very interesting uh, synchronization that has been it's easily observed if you look at what happened 100 years ago, the major economic events, and you look at what happens, what's happened in the beginning uh, years of the 21st century, the first two decades, they are astonishingly paralleling. Once more unto the breach, dear friends. Else fill the wall up with our English dead. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and welcome to another exciting episode of The Personal Wealth Coach, starring Jake and... Jeff McClure. Uh, together, we are bald and bearded. Uh, we had a request that we should say bald and beautiful, but there may be some copyright infringements with some soap operas out. Oh, bold? Never mind. Um... The uh, next um, disclosure we must give after the bald one is that we tell horrible jokes, although that may have been self-explanatory from the last few seconds. Uh, we are bad at puns and other forms of humor, so if you enjoy very boring economics jargon and bad humor, you are on the right place. Um, we have a bunch of other disclosures that we must give, uh, both for ethics and regulatory purposes. Uh, this is the personal wealth coach. I just said that. Well, yeah, we are supposed to say it again. Okay. Uh, that is also the name of a firm, a business that is registered to give investment advice. It's registered with the SEC to do it. The program that you're listening to predates that firm by quite a long number of years. However, the people that own that firm are the principals of this program as well at least the majority owners. Okay, so let's see how many uh, voting share interests should we... No, no, we're going in the wrong direction here. Let's back to the disclosure. <clears throat> uh, just because the SEC says that we need to register with them, and we do, and there's all that has to be done, doesn't mean that the SEC believes that we're some form of golden children or anointed or we say things correctly simply because we're registered. That's silliness. Nope, they don't do that. They are the government, and they are in similar fashion to when you file your taxes with the IRS. The IRS has not suddenly given you a thumbs up to say, the IRS has endorsed me. So we have filed with the SEC in the same way. Um, we are not paying for this radio program. Weird, I know. This is not paid commercial advertising. Uh, we've been doing this thing. I've been doing it since 1998, which if you count that, it comes up on it way too long. That's the number of years that is. And, and older Baldy, other disclosure here, is my father. And he's been doing it several years before this. Uh, and he was in radio before the hills got dusty. At no point did we pay for this program. We also don't get paid for the program, which as economists, that doesn't seem like a very good decision to spend this many hours over this many years on Saturday mornings talking to foam balls uh, for no compensation. It's very strange. We do advertise on the radio pro uh, station, uh, and we do it actually at discounted rates. And we advertise for the radio program. 
so does KTEM. I don't think there's a quid pro quo. I think if we got them angry enough, if we just said, we're not going to advertise with you guys ever again, they would start looking for somebody else to fill our time slot here. I th- so there may Are be we- some form of quid pro quo, but I don't, it, it would just be more of the, the bad blood than about monetary things, I think. What were you going to say? Probably without a great deal of success. They might yeah. find some. It, it's hard to fill up two hours of radio with... with and Inanity is the word. I was going to say entertainment, but I'm not sure we do that. Do we entertain people? I, 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 I often hear about people using us for insomnia treatments. So um, it's an effective use of our podcast. If you want to use it for that, that's fine. If you find effectiveness in our voices, then you should use it. Um, let's see. You've got the last disclosure to give. The information we present on this educational radio program or internet program, as the case may be, has been obtained from sources we deem to be reliable, but we make no warranty or guarantee as to the accuracy or completeness of said information. Yes. Very well done. And and just to wrap that up, I believe what we said in our um, disclosures was we're registered, but that doesn't mean we're cool. We're not cool because we're economists. Uh, we have this radio program that we don't pay for, but uh, the only reason why we're still here is because they can't find anybody else to fill up the time slot. That's probably true. And then we think what we're saying is accurate. How's that? I mean, if they were going to find somebody to fill up this slot, other people pay to, fill to be s- on the radio. Yeah. And we don't. So I, they I could find somebody that was more profitable. They could. And I don't under, I really, I appreciate that they haven't done that. I mean, maybe it's just the tradition. We've been through what four owners of the of the station, and I think so. Okay, so that's that's it for disclosures. And now on to what happened in the market this week. The news. Yes, the the brand new news. It is extra new news. News. Mm-hmm. And considering that a new is a wildebeest, we could go into some deep philosophy there. Yes. Anyway, the market in wildebeest this week was down. Right. Well, the S&P 500 stock index has been cruising along very interestingly for the last several weeks, quite a while now, inching up just a little bit each week after seesawing up and down for a while, like it maybe couldn't make up its mind whether it was in a bull market or a bear market. Uh, Well, this week it rose 2.58%. That's not an annualized rate. That is how much it rose in a week. And critically- Can you say that number again? 2.58% for the week. For the week. Wow. Okay. If we annualize that, it'd be a really big number. Yeah, that's not good to annualize. If you did, that would be, whoa. It's up 23% since last October means and anything over 20 is uh, supposedly a bull market, according to rumor. And it's up 14.85% this year. It's up 39% over the last three years, which is way above its long-term average. Uh, and yes, it, it had largely, it had recovered from the big dip. At this point, three years ago, it had largely recovered from the dip, the pandemic dip. It was actually in pretty good shape at that point. So it's charging along and nobody really, frankly, has any idea what's going to happen next. Um, I can find as many experts to say the market is overpriced and this is really just a big rally in a bear market. And I can find an equal number of experts who say the bull market has just started. Yay, let's get rolling. Um, we are in uncharted 
waters, to use a metaphor. The, um, of course, it's still down about 8% from where it was at this peak in early 20, in January of 2022. Uh, so if the market's up or down, that's entirely depending on what time frame you're looking at. Uh, if you look a little longer time frame, it's a bull market. If you look a really short time frame, it's a bull market. If you look at an immediate time frame, it's a bear market. So make up your mind. It's a correction. And so the bull mar- the market is either in a bull, a bear, a correction, or nothing. Right. And that's your, it's up to you which way you want to say it. Now that we have removed all of that confusion, let's go on to the next. And there's been a lot of discussion about the fact that the S&P 500 is being driven by a relatively small number of huge tech growth companies. Uh, and maybe this really isn't a bull market. So we switch over to the CRSP, U.S. Mid-Cap Value Index, which is about as un-S&P 500 as you can get. And it rose 2.22 for the week uh, to 2364.79. By the way, I didn't say. The S&P 500, you want to remember this number. I, these, I like to remember numbers for reference points. Uh, several people had said last year, if it gets above 4,000 and stays there, we're back in a bull market. Well, it was at 4409.59 when it closed Friday. 4,400 points was crossed this week. And that's worth putting a little, I can remember 4,400. And I remember that's my reference point. But the CRSP US Mid-Cap Value Index is up to 2364.79, which... You don't expect you or me or anybody else to remember. It rose 2.22% for the week. It's positive finally for this year. It's about down 9% from its high in January 22. What does that tell me? That tells me that there is a broad-based rise in the market going on despite what some of the pundits are saying. The other side of the markets, the fixed interest rate side is still just as confusing as it has been. The the 10-year U.S. Treasury note yield, which is a benchmark for many other interest rates, it yielded 3.77% at the end of the week, which is within a narrow training range and has been bobbing up and down all this year. It's like, it's just kind of there. Now, at the other, at the short end, down below one year, one year treasury bills and shorter, the bills one, is it a note at one year or is it a bill? It's a bill at one year and below. Okay. The bills, Williams, I guess it would be, are all above 5%. To give you some idea how upside down the treasury yield curve is, uh, it's the most upside down I've been able to find in history. Um, the one-month T-bill, in other words, you you loan money to the government for one month and they pay you back at the end of the month, and they, the annualized rate on that is 5.18%. If you loan money to the federal government by buying a 30-year treasury bond, you will get 3.86%. That is absolutely upside down compared with what normal is in history. Uh, normally, short-term rates are very low and long-term rates are very high because of the time risk of, of a loan uh, and the loss of use of the money while you've got it loaned out. But we have been consistently in an inverted yield curve. Goodness, when did it get, when inverted last year? Uh, the West Texas crude, uh, WTI, West Texas Intermediate Crude, uh, rose just a bit to $71, but it's still way below where it was a year ago and way above where it was two years ago. Yeah, we're, we're actually expecting to have prices continue to fall through the summer traveling, traveling season on gasoline. Big part mm-hmm. of that is because uh, Europe's in recession and they're not going to travel as much. And and, Ch- and don't forget China. And China's having some real problems right now. So those are those were my two cents. You only asked you asked me for a penny for my thoughts, and I gave you two cents. So you owe me ch- some change. That's, that's I owe you I owe you I owe you a cent. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, you can do it twice, and you can resent that. Okay. Bad puns. We're all about that. That would make it recent. Yes. <clears throat> Your recent change was uh, sent again. Yeah. 
<laughs> so I guess we can leave the markets fine unless you have more something you want to say about the markets. By the way, history, if we are paralleling a point in history where things seem to be things seem to be very parallel to what we're seeing today, events of about a hundred years ago, we are probably in the early stages still of a, what's called a secular bull market that will last through the 2020s. That is not a promise or a guarantee. It's just a very interesting uh, synchronization that has been, it's easily observed. If you look at what happened 100 years ago, the major economic events, and you look at what happens, what's happened in the beginning uh, years of the 21st century, the first two decades, they are astonishingly paralleling. And whatever causes big things to happen apparently is happening again in pretty much the same way it did 100 years ago. And in many, many, many ways, the time period we're in right now parallels the roaring 20s. And Hey, we're in the 20s. We could say we this are. one roars too. It does. And there's just an awful lot of indication. There's a lot of indications out there that we are in a parallel period to where we were 100 years ago. Now, why? Well, there's a book called Generations, the History of America's Future, 1584 to 2069 by Strauss and Howe that explains why it's that way. It was written in the 80s and it forecasts the stuff going on today very accurately, despite the fact they wrote it in the 1980s. And obviously, it's not prophetic. It's not talking about, and on this year, there will be a great storm. It's talking about how we forget history and then repeat it, and how that cycle continues. And it's kind of generational, because your parents, you remember their grievances and heartaches a lot better than you remember your grandparents. And you don't remember your great-grandparents' mistakes at all. So this is when we start to repeat. It's fascinating stuff. And um, we are now segueing out of the markets into the economy. Yes. Well, if we could move on, uh, change of subject. This week was exciting. It had lots of governmental agencies making statistical reports, and we get really excited about that. Yes. Um, first came the CPI, which is otherwise known as the Consumer Price Index. Um, and it had a lot of what we consider to be fascinating information in it. That's because we're geeks. Um, the 12-month CPI, in other words, looking back one year, inflation measured by the CPI was 4%, which at one time would have been considered a very, very high number. However, if we look back to what it was measuring, that same measure one year ago, it was like 9 point something percent. So it's cut in half. So inflation has fallen by 50% in the last year, which is good. But it gets better. If you dig a little deeper into the CPI report, and this is what we love to read, if we take one item out of the consumer price index calculation, which admittedly is a third of the total value of the CPI, but you take shelter out of it, because shelter, that's rents on apartments and the equivalent owner's rent of a house. In other words, part of what consumer price index measures is how much could you rent your house for? Uh, and, and it credits that it says that's if it goes up, that's inflation, and it really doesn't affect anybody, in my opinion, what you could rent your house for, but that's in there. So if we take that out, the inflation for one month in the consumer price index was 0.1%. And for the full year, going back a year, inflation outside of housing is 2.1%. Now, again, you dig a little deeper, this is where we get the excitement. And you realize that used cars are still up a bunch from where they were a year ago, but Gasoline and fuel in general has fallen almost 12% in the last year in price. And since fuel percolates, you know, like this is a good pun, it percolates through to everything. 
because virtually everything you buy in one form or another had to use fuel to get to where you could buy it or get delivered to you after you bought it. Fuel dropping a lot causes the causes inflation to drop a lot. Uh, so if we just look at the bottom line that's going on inflation outside of housing, it's under control, which may have had something to do with the issue that caused the Federal Reserve in its uh, meeting this month to say we're not going to raise interest rates this month. Now, when Chairman Powell came out with that announcement, he also said that they're leaning towards maybe starting up again in July and raising it another quarter point and then later on raising it yet another quarter point. I kind of think that's just a warning. It ain't over yet. Uh, inflation is not under control, so don't get really excited and start spending all your money, uh, which psychology has as much as anything to do with as anything else to do with inflation. He said something, though, and it's worth a it's worth a discussion that could go well into the next hour. He said something pivotal in his news conference that was the reverse of what we have been hearing in these news conferences in the past. The Federal Reserve, at least according to Chairman Powell, and is in the press release and in the news conferences. They have focused on the labor market, Mm -hmm. and they're very concerned about the number of job openings, and they're very concerned about the fact that there are more job openings than there are people looking for work, which means there's a shortage of people to work, and there is. And a shortage, when when there's a shortage of something and somebody wants it, they start running the price up to, to take it away from other people because there's competition for it. And he came out with an amazing statement this time. And he said that inflation is not being generated by the labor market. Uh, that was, that he's literally said, this is, his, these are his exact words. That means we need that. Well, I do not think that wages are the principal driver of inflation. Wow. Because if wages are the principal driver of inflation, the Federal Reserve needs to create a recession that causes a lot of people to be laid off, to, that there, there has to be a situation where there are more people looking for work than there is work to be had to fix inflation, which is the painful thing that Volcker did and that has been done in the past to crush inflation. But since he suggested that wages are not, well, he he said, I don't think wages are the problem. That raises a big question for us geeks. Then what is the problem? And I could go on about that for a long time, more than we have time this hour, that's for sure. Exploring the other possible causes of inflation if it's not wages. During the wage price spiral in the early 1980s that this has been compared to, where Chairman Paul Volcker crushed inflation by giving us the 1982 recession, it was definitely the driving factor was the CPI would go up, the unions would go on strike, the wages would go up across the board, and people would have more money to spend, and they spent it quickly because prices were still going up, and so you need to spend quick before prices are going up. And because prices went up, wages went up. And because wages went up, prices went up. And you had to stop that. And the only way to do that is to make uh, jobs not in short supply anymore. Just as a side this note, is UPS is about to probably be experiencing a strike from mm-hmm. the Teamsters as they are um, having conversations about exactly what we're talking about. You don't want to institutionalize pay increases based on last year's inflation it leads to next year's inflation uh, and we'll we can spend like you said we can spend some more time on that next hour philip just emailed in and asked can you let us let him know when the excitement comes uh this is the excitement this is the excitement um, it's the fact that you dig down into the cpi and there's contradictory numbers in there there's places where inflation is still going and there's places where it's going backwards uh-huh and there's places where labor, it's going 
really, really up, really fast up. And there's other places where it is going backwards. You, it's and, fascinating. And is, when, when you study economics for a long time and, and you, the general consensus is rising wages generate inflation. And the chairman of the Federal Reserve says, no, nah, I don't think so. Not this Ooh. time. Not this time. That's like saying gravity is not hold, what holds us on the face of the earth. There's some other force going on. Only if you were a physicist, that'd be really exciting. What he's really saying is that it's the same stuff. It's just other causes. And it is exciting to us because what we're looking at is technology is a great combatant for inflation. And the areas that we still don't have technology where the plumbers actually still have to show up to fix things or the electrician still has to use pliers on the thing to get it done, that's where we're seeing the majority of our inflation at this point. And we are coming to the end of this hour. Uh, you want to do a wrap-up? We've got a minute for a wrap-up. Wow. The hour managed to get over. Well, the stock market went up very interestingly. Uh, the Federal Reserve skipped a interest rate increase that everybody expected, and the stock market went up. And it is just still extremely confusing out there with an inverted yield curve, but we're optimistic about the future. Good. If you would like to actually talk to these two weird bald guys and get some advice on investment and uh, management, we actually do advice and portfolio management for people of relatively high net worth. It's fiduciary, which is why we can't give it on the air. Um, you can contact our office and uh, the local number for that with voicemail on the weekends. Real live people during the week is... 254-947-1111. Or toll free, presuming you're still using those landlines is 1-800-914-7526. That's 800-914-PLAN. You can go to our webpage, thepersonalwealthcoach.com or tpwc.com, where you can read our newsletters going back a long ways and sign up for them. It goes out every Friday, and I'm prejudiced to say this, but I read a lot of financial newsletters. It's one of the best out there. I enjoy it every time, and uh, Elder Baldy writes the vast lion's share of that, and uh, it is fantastic in-house done um so you can sign up for it and get it every friday or just go to the webpage and read it you can listen to our radio programs going back lots of years you can listen to podcasts wherever those podcasts are found you can contact us through the contact form or directly at jeff at tpwc.com or jake at tpwc.com until next week this has been the personal wealth coach thank you very much for listening